Worse? How can it get any worse? Ellen, we're at the threshold of hell. I've got to admit my disappointment with our congregation. (laughs) My business administrator just said, what's the deal with the tie and the sweater? (laughs) Have you watched the movie? Uh, People, how many of you, Christmas Vacation is your favorite Christmas movie, okay? Now, if you don't have your hand up, you need to understand, if you're going to be a member of Parkview... Come on, you got to have the lines down, you got to have the whole thing. This is, what, this is what we're talking about here today, Christmas vacation. I'm not recommending it, it's PG-13, there's some inappropriate parts in there. I'm just saying, I know you've already seen it, just pay attention to me for a second. The reason Christmas vacation is so funny, it's, I mean, it was written well, it's funny, it's well-directed, great acting, all that kind of stuff, but the insanity of Christmas vacation lets us feel better about our own Christmas, doesn't it? Because stuff is always going to go wrong at Christmas time. Am I right or am I right? And guess what? It always did. Oh, crud. (laughs) Is that wrong? Is it wrong for me to lick eggnog off the Bible? Um, Here's the thing, okay? The very first Christmas was a National Lampoon movie waiting to happen. And you don't pay any attention to that because you've read the story over and over. You've heard the story. You hear Linus do it, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's so awesome. Let me, let me back the whole thing up, all right? Two versions. One is in Luke. One is in Matthew. And Luke's version kind of does some of it, and Matthew's does some of it, okay? And, and here's, here's Luke's version. starts with Zechariah. We forget about that, or you don't pay attention, or maybe you didn't know. Zechariah is, is like Jesus' uncle. And uh, he's a high priest, and he he hasn't had any kids, and he wants to have kids. And one day, the angel shows up and says, hey, you're going to have a kid. And he doesn't believe the angel, so he is struck mute during the whole pregnancy. And by the way, do you know who that kid turned out to be? Turned out to be John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. You heard about John the Baptist? Well, think about this. Hey, Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. You're not going to be able to speak. Your son's going to be born, and that's going to be awesome because you're finally going to have a kid, but he's going to grow up to be considered a crazy lunatic who lives out in the wilderness looking like a caveman eating bugs. And somewhere in his early 30s, he's going to be beheaded by a crazy king. That's the rest of that story. Yeah, he's answered your prayer, but it's not going to be the way that you wanted it to go. Then we get to the part where we know In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to Joseph, descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting that might be. Can I I just let you understand this a little bit? Greatly troubled. Does that sound like your Christmas? Well, okay, then we're in, we're in the right territory. What kind of greeting might that be? Yeah, Mary was greatly troubled. Of course she's greatly troubled. First of all, you're going to raise the Son of God. Ladies, does that sound comforting? Does that sound like a great idea? Anybody want to be picked for that job? I mean, just put that all together. And then add to that, everybody's going to believe that you are promiscuous and unfaithful, and that's how this happened, because nobody's going to believe the crazy God stuff. And then as he grows up, no one of any importance is going to believe in your son. And actually, they will hate him, and they're going to end up killing him. P.S., 
You're going to have this baby 80 miles away in a town where you don't know anybody, and you won't get to go there until you are great with child. Remember that phrase? Okay, You've heard it over and over again, but think this whole thing through. You're, you're going to go there great with child, meaning you know, last trimester, you're going to go 80 miles on a donkey, and you're going to go have a baby somewhere else. And then after that, we don't know how long, but then the king's going to want to kill your baby, so you're going to have to go to Egypt. So in other words, you're going to have a son, he's the son of God, and he's going to be on the most wanted list his entire life, from the time he's a baby until the time they actually kill him. If Mary was greatly troubled by the first part, it's a good thing she didn't get to know the rest of it. Then they get to the baby dedication, another part we never pay any attention to, and they meet Simeon. This guy cracks me up. He's been waiting for the Messiah to show up. So this is just right after Jesus is born. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. That doesn't sound fun. And be a sign that will be spoken against. Not good. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul also, Mary. Nice baby card, Simeon. Maybe just congrats on your new baby next time, right? This is, the, this is the reality of the first Christmas. That's why I think the Christmas Vacation movie is so fun because it is based in reality. We have our plans, we have our dreams, and we go at them really hard, and it never seems to go right. My all-time favorite Christmas story is of the woman who, back in the days when you took film and had to get your pictures done, you know, she took a picture one day. She said, I was in the shower, and my son came into the shower while I was there, and he was two years old. He wrapped himself up in toilet paper, and I thought, that's such a mess, but he's so cute. I grabbed my camera. I took a picture of him, and and a couple days later, I I got the pictures back, and I thought it was so cute. I stuck them in my Christmas cards, sent them out to all my family. A couple days later, one of my relatives called, laughing hysterically, said, you probably ought to go look at the card again. Go look at the picture again. So I went back and looked at the picture, and to my shock, I discovered that not only had I captured my lovely little two-year-old son in toilet paper, I had also captured my reflection in the mirror (laughs) wearing nothing but a camera. (laughs) Merry Christmas, family. Isn't that, that, that's just so perfect. That's the way it goes. So, so think about the Christmas story, the first one, and then think about your story and how it relates for just a second. All right, kids, right? Maybe not a virgin birth, but, but kids, period, right? That adds stress. It's a lot of fun, but it adds a lot of stress at Christmas time. Maybe your kids produce personalities and needs that you weren't really counting on. Physical pain, you know, not, not maybe labor pains, but you're in some kind of personal pain, physical pain this Christmas, and, and it's messing you up. How about pressure from the outside, like not Caesar Augustus calling a census, but maybe it is the IRS. Maybe it's your employer. Maybe it's your lack of a job. Maybe it's an aging parent, what, whatever. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe you're not no room in the inn shunned like, you know, like Mary was and, and Joseph was, but you're feeling that loneliness. We talked about the Island of Misfit Toys last week. Maybe it's a move, not on a donkey but with a U-Haul. Maybe you're listening to me online right now, and, and you've had to move away from here because, the, because of whatever, and, and you're far away you don't know people. Maybe you're here at one of our campuses. We welcome you. We want to help you get acclimated. We're glad that somebody moved to Illinois, so great 
great for you, but, but um, you know, it, it's like not what you were planning on, okay? I mean, and we think about this whole Bethlehem deal and we got the, you know, the crash and all this stuff, but do you ever think about the next trip? I mean, we, we didn't even get, get to the next trip yet. I mean, Mary and Joseph, they're greatly troubled. Their life is already a National Lampoon movie. And then what happens? After the wise men had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the co- child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night. This is like covert operations. Do you see? That's stressful during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. We don't know how long that took. And so was fulfilled what the Lord said out of Egypt, I called my son. Let me show you what that looks like on a map. My wife and I recently took a group over to Israel. It's a really cool bucket list trip. And when you get to see it and see what's going on, it really helps you. Uh, I'm going to show you Sea of Galilee in a minute. But Nazareth is here. This is where they went last trimester, great with child. They go past Jerusalem. They go over to Bethlehem over there. That's the part we always talk about. Then the wise men end up, love the wise men, but they went to the wrong place. They tipped off Herod. He wants to kill baby be Jesus. So they run away to the next country that they can go to so they can get out of Herod's rule, which is all the way over here. I mean, pregnant going here and then a tiny little child going over here where they know nobody, where, where they have no idea what's going to happen. Again, if Mary was greatly troubled with the angel's initial words, how do you think she felt after Jesus was born? And then I asked myself, is there ever, was there ever a time in Mary's life where she was not greatly troubled? I mean, think about that. And yeah, there is. It happens 33 years later when another angel shows up at a tomb and says, he is not here, he is risen. But I think the entire period in between the first angel and the second angel is greatly troubled. You know, they sing, we sing that song at Christmas, it'll... It'll really be like a picture print from Courier and Ives. And you probably are like, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to sing it, right, because it's Christmas. Well, Courier and Ives was, was an artist. They were artists, and they did all these pictures back in the day before you had, you know, good quality ways to do it. And they, like, this is just an example, Courier and Ives. And I just thought, it's just so funny because this is what we do to the Christmas store. You look at that, and you think, oh, that's just a, a picture print. What a, what a wonderful, holly jolly Christmas that is. But, but it's cold, okay, first of all, if you're in this picture, and that guy's carrying firewood, and the dog's barking at him, and the cow's probably not happy over here, and that couple is arguing on their way to their mother-in-law for Christmas. You can't tell what's going on. I'm just saying the reality of Christmas is the lights are not going to work. The family's going to drive you crazy. You're not going to get the right Christmas bonus. It's probably going to be the Jelly of the Month Club. The, the, the dogs are going to drink the water out of the tree. It's going to burn up. They're going to hawk up a bone underneath your table, which was full of a turkey that was overcooked and dry. There are going to be squirrels running around your house. There are going to be cats that chew the lights and fry themselves underneath your furniture. That's my favorite scene. Let's watch it again. I'm just kidding, cat lovers, come on. (laughs) 
So, so can I just take a side trip, okay? Can I take a side trip for a second and get off of Christmas for a minute? I, I, I just want to do that for you because I, 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 I want to get away from, well, I want to get away from this tie for one thing. I, I want to get away from this idea of, of everything being perfect by taking you back to the Sea of Galilee, okay? Maybe it was December, I don't know, but Jesus and the disciples later on. Can I show you this? One day, Jesus said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. This is so important. Because Jesus says, I want you to do this. So they got into the boat and they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. Then the disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and rebuked the wind. This is where he says, Peace be still to the wind and the raging waters. And the storm subsided and all was calm. And after the storm has calmed down, Jesus said, where is your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? Even the winds, he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Like I said, we were just in, 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 in the Holy Land, and Sea of Galilee is my favorite place. If you ever get to go there, this is my favorite. You get to go out on a boat, like a fishing boat, just like it would have been in Jesus' time. And you're out on the water that Jesus fished on. You're out on the place where Jesus calmed the storm in this passage and said, peace be still. You're in the place where he walked on the water for crying out loud. Hands down, my favorite place. They can't build a church over it. They can't mess it up because it's a lake, okay? And, and, I, and I got our group together, and I taught them on this fishing boat, I gave them this little outline about what, what, what it's like when life gets stormy. And I just want to give this to you. You might want to write some of these things down because just four things very simple about this passage that should help you if your Christmas is stormy. All right? The first one is this. Even though Jesus was in the boat, the storm still happened. I mean, not only that, but Jesus told them to get into the boat. Sometimes it's not going to work out the way that you want, just like Christmas. Right? I mean, God told Mary to do all this, and it wasn't easy. Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat, and there was still a storm. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said, but I'm with you, okay? The second thing is, even though the storm happened, Jesus was asleep. We spent $41 billion, Americans did, on sleep aids last year alone. $41 billion, billion. You hear what I'm saying? And Jesus gets in a boat, and there's a storm, and he falls asleep. Why is that? It's because Jesus knew who was in charge. That simple. Number three, even though Jesus was there, the disciples were still afraid. Okay, This goes to the fact that in our lives, even though we know God is there, even though we want to be like Jesus and be asleep in the boat, sometimes we're just not. Sometimes we have doubt. Sometimes we have fear. And that's okay. I want to say that to you. If, if you're listening to this right now and you walked in and you're like, man, my, there's storms going on all around me right now. You have no idea what's going on. I don't know if I really believe all this. It's okay. Because fourth, even though the disciples had very little faith, Jesus was like, guys, where's your faith? You've been with me. Even though they had very little faith, Jesus still saved them. So if you are in a stormy season this Christmas, I think you need to hear this. When you hear the angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests, you don't need to understand. 
how that's all going to work, okay? That doesn't mean storms aren't going to happen because they are. Storms will still come, and Jesus is not worried. You don't have to worry about that. He's, he's got it. He's okay. You will still have periods of doubt, and he's not going to be mad at you about it, and he will still give you peace. That's how this is going to work. So I, I wanted you to have that, and then what I thought I, what we do today is take a, a Christmas vacation look at how we mess up our own Christmas and give you some advice about how to not mess up your Christmas, how to have the right perspective about Christmas this year, okay? We're far enough into it now. Everybody's starting to get crazy. We're all starting to get to that point where, you know, we're ready to, you know, kick the Santa and start swearing about Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye and all that. We're, we're there, okay? So here's how we do this. The first thing we got to do is adjust your expectations, Okay? Usually, if you're here with someone else in your family, one person at least in your family is, is like this. <laughs> Somebody in your family is a perfectionist, okay? You can go ahead and nudge them right now if you want to, okay? Um, somebody in my family is a perfectionist. There's only two people in my family, and I am not it, okay? I'm just saying that. So, so, so here's what I'm saying. You need to adjust your expectations up front. If you will just do that, if you will just realize that it's not going to work out the way that you want, everything's not going to be perfect, it's going to be okay. It's like going to a movie, right? If somebody goes to see Star one of you nerds goes to see Star Wars like the night it comes out, okay, and, and, and you come, I'm, I want to see it. I'm just, I'm just not like that. I, I want to see it. If you come back to me and you go, oh, dude, PT, it was the best Star Wars ever, best movie ever, I can't believe it, then I'm going to go see Star Wars, and you know what I'm going to have? I'm going to have high expectations. And if I go in with high expectations, it's not going to be very good. It's, not, it's never going to compare to The Empire Strikes Back. Nothing's ever going to, okay? I, I know this, and this is what, but if you come back and go, yeah, it was okay, then I can go in with low expectations and everything will be okay. I, I'm just saying, know right now that everything's not going to work out the way that you think it's going to work out. Number two, we need to restrict our holiday schedule. <laughs> okay, the first one was not for me. This one is for me. I literally had that moment this morning. Okay, I, I mean, I, I didn't swear and I didn't kick anything, but I decided to try to do something. It, I, I got Google Home and I thought, I'm going to try to hook something up to my, and it wouldn't work right. And, and I was getting so frustrated. I, I didn't need to do that. I didn't need to hook that up. I don't need to have that. I don't need to tell, you know, Google what to do. I could just go flip it on. I don't need all that. But I added that to myself and we do that to ourselves. Okay, I, I have overdone my activity during this month. I'm, I'm, this is my problem. I realize there's an extra weekend in here in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Did you guys figure that out? Because I didn't figure that out soon enough. So I'm preaching 22 times between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. 22 times. You know who did that to me? Me. I did that to me. I just wasn't paying attention. And we got to go to Missouri and see my wife's family and, and do Christmas in there in the middle of that. And, and today is my wife's birthday. You got to say happy birthday to my wife. <laughs> but what kind of people have a kid with a birthday in December? I mean, it's just like another thing, right? You know, I mean, there, there's just so much going on, and I, and I do it to myself. Here's what I want to challenge you to do, and I'm doing the same thing. I want to challenge you to just blow off one thing that's on your calendar for the rest of the month. I give you permission. <laughs> Guys are like, yes. 
Just blow it off. Is it good? Is the world going to end if you don't go out to dinner with that one person? Is, 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 is it going to end if you call in sick to this party over here or whatever's going on and you just stay home and you just relax for one night? I want to challenge you. Just, just don't put 25,000 Italian imported twinkle lights on your house and, and your stress level will go down. Number three, budget your spending. Three words for you, financial, peace, university, all right? You, you don't put a deposit down on something you don't have money for. Don't spend all this money. You, you know I read this week that 20% of the people in America are still paying for last year's Christmas in December, right? And the problem is if something goes wrong, there's no margin. I mean, this is a whole, uh, this is a whole class on budgeting and all that kind of stuff. But right now, just stop. Knock it off. Then if you get a Jelly of the Month Club bonus, it might be the gift that keeps on giving all year long, Clark. It'd be okay if, that, if you weren't planning on having a giant Christmas bonus. It doesn't matter. And, and this is the time of the year we know it's more blessed to give than to receive. But you've got to be careful with all of this and how you spend all of your money, and how it's all going to work, okay? Number four, focus on the needs of somebody else. Ruby Sue, real nice. Listen, um, one of the most important things you can do, you said your, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, right? And if your heart is all about all the stuff that you got to do and all the things that are happening for you right now, it's, they're never going to be in the right place. And I got to tell you, it's um, freaking out my financial people a little bit that we have decided not to have services around here on December 30th and, 30, uh, 30th and 31st because that's your last chance before taxes to get your money in. So I'm just going to tell you right now, the end of the year giving is a big important thing for us. And what you do here, this is important. I mean, we're, we're going to announce it at, at the Christmas Eve service what we've done in Puerto Rico. Uh, we've done a lot of stuff in Houston. Um, we've planted churches in, in Malawi, all kinds of great stuff has gone on, as well as all the ministry that goes on all around here and all of you that, that have found Jesus and your lives have been healed by Jesus and you've got peace because of Jesus. That's all amazing. But what I love about what happens around here uh, when, when, when we learn to give and be generous is what it does to our hearts. It just kind of changes everything. And, and, and I'm not going to ask you to get involved in this, but I just want to give you one example of some of the stuff that we do that you don't even know. About eight years ago, we decided to help start a church in Ventura, California, and um, we gave a lot of money to it. I was one of their elders for a long time, uh, got involved in, in, in getting the right people on, on the thing and getting it started. We donated a lot of money. We've done a lot of work with them along the way, sent my middle daughter, Lauren, and her husband, Tommy, to go do a residency out there, and they fell in love with it, my bad, and they live out there now, and they're on the staff out there. But if that first part caught your ear, here's Ventura, California right now, Okay. Uh, I mean, th these, are, these are from two days ago, just some pictures of what's going on in Ventura, California. That's a, a charred hill with the cross on it. Uh, I mean, just look at that. And, 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 and I talked to Tommy this morning. He says that they're estimating that the fire is only 15 to 20% contained right now. It's still going on. So this is the movie theater where Mission Church Ventura meets. 
You see all the boxes, all the stuff. Vision, Vision Church Ventura is, has got such a great reputation that they actually became the place where people are coming. They became the, the place where, where people are coming, the distribution center for help. They have had over 1,000 volunteers working around the clock to help people. 450 families have already gotten help because they're, they, they're and many of them are living there, staying there. I don't know what they're doing today because they've got services. So they got, they got theaters full of junk over here and people coming and going and it's crazy and it's incredible and I just, you're, you're partially responsible for that. You're like, oh, I see the fires out there, man. That's horrible. Yeah, well, guess what? You were already a part of the solution eight years ago when you didn't even know it. And if you want to be more a part of it, here's the problem. You're coming today at one of our campuses and you're looking around and you're seeing people bring gifts back in right? Because this is the day we bring them back in for all those projects we did. We always run out every year. We have all, all, all these, we always have more and more and more. And people of Parkview are so generous. They want to buy a baby gift for a prisoner's kid or whoever it is we're doing the things for. They're coming back today and you missed it. Go do something. Go find something. And if you want to do something, I will have a link to how you can help the church at Ventura to give money to people whose houses have burned down. That link will be on our social media, mine and, and everybody, our churches. That'll be on there so that you can go do that. Find something like that and take it off of you. The other thing you could do to focus on somebody else is help us with Christmas Eve. We had 24,000 people last Christmas Eve. Do you understand that? We're having 20 services because that's the kind of thing that's going to happen. And a lot of those people are going to have needs, and they need for you to be there to help them in the parking lot or to help their kids or whatever. My wife is one of our volunteers, and she was on the website signing up for which Christmas Eve services. And she said, hey, I just noticed something on here. It looks like all of the, all of the early services, the, you know, the ones before Christmas Eve day, are filling up really nicely with volunteers. But the 24th is the day we're having the hardest time getting volunteers for. So she said, well, you know, you probably ought to say something. So no, I do what she says. So I'm saying something. <laughs> Maybe what you ought to do is sign up for the 24th at all of our campuses. That's when we have the most services. Sign up and decide to bring your family and come along and do something with them. You know, just one. We've got, we've got plenty of services on that day, plenty of services at your campus to serve and, and make it happen. Get your small group together. Get your rooted group back together. All right, one more from Clark. Leave some time for deep reflection. It's funny every time, isn't it? <laughs> the funny thing about Clark is the only time he has for any reflection is when he's stuck in the attic, right? That's when he pulls out the old movies. That's when he's got a little bit of time to think about things, and he starts to feel some of the emotional impact of Christmas. It's when he's stuck up in there. So, so what are you going to do? Schedule some time. Make some time available for some reflection time. I had to drive 10 hours this week, round trip, to go shoot a video for you guys for Christmas Eve. That's how much work we do around here. I can't tell you where. I can't tell you what it was about because the movie's top secret. But, 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 but it, during that time for me, that's, that's just the time when I'm driving, when I, just me and God. And I had an amazing time. I, just, I had so much time being able to reflect and to be thankful for all the things that God has done because I had the time to do it. Uh, it's good for my heart. It's good for my brain. It's not good for my back, but, but it works, okay? Whatever that is for you, find it. And maybe let's just be realistic, okay? You know, we're going to have the grandkids around as we get closer to Christmas. And after Christmas, some of them will be here. And, and it's going to be crazy. But at some point, you've got to be at that place where you just take a little bit of time and, and remember what's going on. All right. One more thing, and this won't be, uh, this won't be Clark, okay? 
make new Christmas memories. I, I ran across a, a, a list on a website of some ways that you could help, if you've got a family especially, make some new memories to make this all different. Like for one was a birthday cake for Jesus. Bake a birthday cake for Jesus and just go give it to somebody that needs it. And have a little party with your kids saying happy birthday. Do not bring it to the church office, okay? No. <laughs> but give it to somebody that needs it. Uh, another one I read, what I thought was great, was a Jesus stocking. Put all the stockings up, and then there's a Jesus stocking there. And, and what this family did is that what they would they would take a drawing, or they would make a you know uh, they would make a note or something that would be something that they were going to give Jesus this year. Some way they were going to grow to be more like Jesus, or they were going to have a commitment to use their spiritual gifts, or how they were going to love people. Kind of like a a little resolution, and they put it in that stocking, and and they give it to Jesus at Christmas. One of the things my wife grew up doing, and, and, and we brought that into our family, was caroling. My wife would make that cinnamon bread, you know, that monkey bread, that buffalo, whatever you call it. And, and she would make enough that we could have one and have eggnog when we got back. And we would go and we would just go carol somebody. Maybe they'd lost a, a spouse that year, somebody that was hurting in our congregation. And we planned the whole thing out and we called them ahead of time. And we just went and caroled with our kids in tow, little, you know, singing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer and whatever song they were, they were hyper about that year and some Christmas carols. And it, it, it changed our perspective at Christmas. How about reading the Christmas story? I mean, seriously, do you do this at Christmas? I'm not talking about towards the night before Christmas. I'm talking about like the real one, okay? One of the things that we, we did for years, and it's a little harder now that it's just the two of us, but we're going to do it again, is the Christmas cards that come in. We put them in a basket, and every night at dinner, you take one of the cards and you just pray for that family. As you're praying for your food, just pray for that family. This is a great, easy reminder, and you can do it all year long. And, of course, the last one, the most important one to me is attend a Christmas Eve service. I mean, we're starting them early. If you're at a different campus and you've got to go out of town, the first one's on Thursday night at Orland. You're welcome to come over here before you go out of town. We, we're, we want you to be there and be part of us. Grab some popcorn and pass it out and invite some people. It, it'll, it'll change your perspective on Christmas. So here's the, here's the resolution to this thing, okay? The angel Gabriel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting it might be. And the angel said, Don't be afraid. What you've found, you've found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Never end. Then she tells her about her cousin Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, who's going to have a baby. And the angel says, for, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary says, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have spoken. And the angel left her. C.S. Lewis wrote, this is so great, the whole cosmic salvation plan for the universe comes down to the response of an unwed teenage Jewish girl. Think about it. She accepted the purpose of God in her life regardless of what it was going to do to her plans. And God brought a miracle to her, to grow in her, to be delivered through her, to change the world around her. But it only happened because of her surrender to a life that really wasn't going to go anything like she had thought her life was going to be planned. And if you're looking for a word, it's called faith. That's what faith is. Matter of fact, the reason that we hold Mary in such reverence today is because of her faith. 
her story never did work out the way that she thought it was going to. I, I was thinking about this this week. Even the, most, even the most disastrous of Christmas movies usually resolve themselves in the end, right? I mean, I mean, you don't have them that just don't resolve. If my wife is watching one of her incredibly lame Hallmark Christmas movies, <laughs> can I get an amen, gentlemen? Okay. There are always problems, and then there's a resolution, right? There's always a problem like, I'm not making this up. I don't have a boyfriend to take home for the holidays, so I'll kidnap one. It's called Christmas in Handcuffs. Go look it up. It's a real movie. But there's always a resolution. In the Hallmark Channel, it's always, they always fall in love. That idiot that got kidnapped falls in love with his kidnapper. Can I just say, kids, if you're not dating yet, do not do that, okay? <laughs> Handcuffs and dating should not go together. I'm just going to tell you that, all right? But they always resolve themselves. All the Christmas movies resolve themselves. Even Christmas Vacation kind of resolves itself, right? That final scene where they're singing the Star Spangled Banner and Santa's blown up from sewer gas exploding and they're all kind of having that little moment. There's always resolution. But the Christmas story doesn't really resolve itself. And that's because it's just not quite time yet. You will conceive and give birth to a son... And you will call him Jesus. He will be great in the son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. What kind of kingdom is that going to be? Well, Isaiah has already told us, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders like at birth and all the way through his life. And he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that's usually where we stop. And what kind of kingdom is this going to be? It's, it's going to be the kingdom of peace. He's going to be the Prince of Peace. The word prince, literally the word sar in, in Hebrew, means commander, lord, one who's in charge. The word peace, shalom in Hebrew, you may be familiar with, that tranquility, that wholeness, that completeness that we're looking for. So literally, Prince of Peace. He's going to be the commander of rest. He's going to be the Prince of Tranquility. He's going to be the Lord of Wholeness. That seems to indicate somebody calling the shots, if it's about a kingdom, right? Of his kingdom, it will never end, the angel tells Mary. And because we end there, we don't really see the rest of this verse very often, and this really struck me this week. Of the increase, it's going to keep increasing, of his government and peace... There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This is what I thought was really interesting. Of his government and peace. They seem to be tied together. Government and peace. There will be no end. Okay? Does that strike you like that for me? Peace is what we're looking for. That's what we all need. That's what we're hoping for. And, and the peace, it looks like to me, the peace that we're looking for is somehow connected with our alignment to the correct administration. The peace that we're looking for is connected to our alignment with the right administration, with the right government. It's about submission to the government of the Prince of Peace. So the key to the first Christmas, which was also very hard and a disaster, was for the wise men and for the shepherds and for Joseph and Mary to submit to the government of peace. Is this making sense? So, so, the, so the wise men decided to submit to the government of peace, and they followed a star. The shepherds decided to submit to the government of peace, 
And they went to Bethlehem to see this thing which has happened. And Joseph submitted to the government of peace and took Mary home to be his wife. And Mary submitted to the government of peace and said, may it be to me as you have spoken. Even as they were greatly troubled, even as things weren't going the way they had it figured out. And if you're looking for a word for that, again, it's called faith. If you want a fun picture of it, it's here. Nativity scene somewhere in Pennsylvania. I know, isn't it great? Outside of church, during the night, folks came and they saw this abandoned dog that was looking for a place to sleep, and, and there he is, right? He chose the baby Jesus as his comfort. He chose submission to the government of peace, okay? That's my favorite Christmas peace picture. As, as we end up this service, you got to understand, Jesus, just before he was arrested, he gives us the sacrament of communion. And this is one of the things he said right here. As he's sitting around having communion, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So maybe this can at least be one moment of peace for you at Christmas. While the ushers pass, I'm going to ask you to remain very quiet because I want to play my best Christmas reflection peace song that, that I, I, I love over and over again. Manaheim Steamroller's version of Silent Night. It just gets me every time. It just makes me go to that place. And Silent Night is that song. I mean, we'll, we'll end up our, our Christmas Eve service with it as we light the candles. Travis Tritt, country star, said whenever he was in a bar back in the old days, when before he was a big star and he had to play all the dives and the honky-tonks, he said if ever a fight broke out, and it happens a lot in one of those places, he said, you know, it, was all, it always messes up everything. So he said, I always had this easy thing that I did. Whenever a fight broke out, I would just stop playing whatever I was playing, and I would start singing Silent Night. True story. He said, as soon as I started playing Silent Night, everybody in the bar went quiet, turned and looked at me. They dropped their pool cues. They, they lowered their arms. They, they got out of where they were. They turned and looked at me, started singing along, and sometimes they would cry along with me. He said it didn't matter if it was July, and I was up there sweating like crazy. If I kicked into Silent Night, everything got peaceful. If this is the time of year for you to submit to the government of peace, Tell Jesus about it during this time. You've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make, okay? You've got to decide whether you want to survive Christmas with a little help from Jack Daniels or do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You can do that right now.